Welcome to Damn Good Movie Memories with your host, Ryan Davis. This podcast is the cure for your long commute and super boring work day. Hey there, it's Brian Davis, and for this week's episode, we're going to cover the movie Sabrina from 1954. The studio was Paramount Pictures, release date was September 23rd, 1954. The running time, 113 minutes, and it was in black and white. Leonard Maltin from his classic movie guide gives it 3.5 out of 4 stars. He writes, Samuel Taylor's play is a good vehicle for Audrey Hepburn as a chauffeur's daughter romanced by an aging tycoon played by Humphrey Bogart. Bogart tries to keep her from his playboy brother, William Holden. Offbeat casting works in this fun film. It was remade in 1995 with Harrison Ford. Now, the first Audrey Hepburn film that I remember seeing as a kid was the Hitchcock-esque Charade, which co-stars Cary Grant in 1963, and it didn't take long before I was shown Sabrina. There was never a more beautiful and more elegant actress than Audrey Hepburn, and nobody could have been better in this star-making role than her, just like Roman Holiday. Okay, let's get into the making of the film. So Audrey Hepburn was thrilled to be cast in the role of Sabrina, as she felt this movie had the potential to be a career-defining role for her, especially after her success the year prior for Roman Holiday with Gregory Peck, and she was spot on. The story behind Sabrina is based on a Broadway play titled Sabrina Fair, with Margaret Sullivan being cast in the role of Sabrina along with Joseph Cotton. Paramount knew the play could be adapted and would be a perfect follow-up for their burgeoning star, Audrey Hepburn. To direct the film, Paramount selected Billy Wilder, who had been with the studio for 12 years, though this would be his last film with them. Wilder had big hits directing at Paramount with films like Double Indemnity, The Lost Weekend, Sunset Boulevard, Ace in the Hole, and Stalag 17. But what's interesting is that Wilder hadn't directed a comedy in many years, and after Sabrina, he would direct some of the most beloved comedies in film history, like Some Like It Hot, The Seven Year Itch, The Apartment, and The Fortune Cookie, all of which I own, and we'll be doing episodes about them in the long, long future. After Hepburn was cast, William Holden was next, who had worked with Wilder on Sunset Boulevard and Stalag 17. For the Linus role, Cary Grant was the obvious choice and was brought in to play the part. But at the last minute, a week before shooting, Grant dropped out, and the studio and Wilder scrambled to find a replacement. Now, there's a rumor that Grant rejected the part because he did not want to carry an umbrella on screen. The power of Cary Grant. Humphrey Bogart was very eager to play a role against type, which meant he'd play a non-tough guy, nor a detective or a gangster. Now, I tend to believe that his role in The African Queen with Catherine Hepburn likely helped him transition from those roles I just mentioned back when he made The African Queen in 1951. Bogart also wanted his wife, Lauren Bacall, cast as Sabrina. And while I appreciate Bogie's love and dedication to his talented and beautiful wife, Audrey Hepburn is the ideal Sabrina. Bogart, even though thrilled to be doing a role against a previous character type, was reportedly unhappy during the filming and didn't like that he wasn't the first choice for the role. Bogart was later apologetic about his attitude and told Wilder as such. However, interestingly enough, he never got along with William Holden. And that was never mended. Once the cast was set, Wilder collaborated with the original playwright, Samuel Taylor, to work on the screen adaptation. However, Taylor found working with Wilder draining and difficult. So Wilder hired Ernest Lehman to work on the screenplay. But because Wilder was one of those rare talents that could both write and direct his films, 
he would often be making rewrites of the script even while shooting. Wilder even asked Audrey Hepburn one day while shooting to fake an illness to buy him some time to finish rewriting a scene he wanted perfected. Okay, let's get into the film. So it begins with the voice of Sabrina Fairchild. Of course, that's Audrey Hepburn, and she's narrating. Once upon a time, on the north shore of Long Island, some 30 miles from New York, there lived a small girl on a large estate. The estate was very large indeed, and had many servants. There were gardeners to take care of the gardens, and a tree surgeon on a retainer. There was a boatman to take care of the boats, to put them in the water in the spring, and scrape their bottoms in the winter. There were specialists to take care of the grounds, the outdoor tennis court and the indoor tennis court, the outdoor swimming pool and the indoor swimming pool. And there was a man of no particular title who took care of a small pool in the garden for a goldfish named George. Also on the estate, there was a chauffeur by the name of Fairchild, who had been imported from England years ago together with a new Rolls Royce. Fairchild was a fine chauffeur of considerable polish, like the eight cars in his care. And he had a daughter by the name of Sabrina. It was the eve of the annual six-meter yacht races, and as had been traditional on Long Island for the past 30 years, the Larrabees were giving a party. It never rained on the night of the Larrabee party. The Larrabees wouldn't have stood for it. There were four Larrabees in all, father, mother, and two sons. Maud and Oliver Larrabee were married in 1906, and among their many wedding presents was a townhouse in New York and this estate for weekends. The townhouse has since been converted into Saks Fifth Avenue. Linus Larrabee, the elder son, graduated from Yale, where his classmates voted him the man most likely to leave his alma mater $50 million. His brother, David, went through several of the best Eastern colleges for short periods of time, and through several marriages for even shorter periods of time. He is now a successful six-goal polo player and is listed on Linus's tax return as a $600 deduction. Life was pleasant among the Larrabees, for this was as close to heaven as one could get on Long Island. Sabrina watches the party from afar, sitting in a tree across the patio, wishing she was the one dancing with some of the gentlemen there. Ideally, David Larrabee, played by William Holden. Sabrina's father, Thomas, played by John Williams, pauses his duties washing the estate vehicles and stops by the tree to talk to his daughter. Come on down from there, Sabrina. Come on. 
You'd better go to your room and finish your packing. Who's that girl, Father? Which girl? The one dancing with David. Her name's Van Horn, Gretchen Van Horn, Chase National Bank. I hate girls that giggle all the time. You hate every girl David looks at. Sabrina, you can't go on like this about David all your life. You understand that. You, you've got to get over it. Yes, Father. It's good you're going away. I only hope it's far enough. Yes, Father. Come along, Sabrina. In a minute, Father, you go ahead. I'll be up soon. Sabrina continues to longingly watch David from afar. David then leaves the party to head to the tennis courts to drink champagne with the woman he's dancing with, and Sabrina follows him to the courts to continue her spying. Now this trek to the tennis courts is David's patented move with the ladies. Sabrina eventually goes back to her room dejected, wishing it was her in the arms of David, and not the giggling idiot that he's with instead. Yes, Father? You won't forget your passport in the morning. No, Father. You know, it's not every girl that's lucky enough to go to Paris. I know. And it's the best cooking school in the world, Sabrina. If your mother were alive, she'd be very happy to know that you were going there. After all, she was the best cook on Long Island. Oh, I'm not telling you that you have to be a cook as she was, or that I want you to marry a chauffeur like me. But you know how I feel about it. Your mother and I had a good life together. We were respected by everyone. That's as much as anyone can want in this world. Sabrina is being sent to a prestigious cooking school in Paris, but she wishes instead she could be swept off her feet by David. However, David just sees her as the chauffeur's young daughter. Sabrina goes back to her room and writes a suicide note to her father. She also includes a PS, which has some dark humor, which requests that David not be allowed to her funeral since he would not care anyway. Sabrina then goes to the large garage with all of the cars and turns on the engine of all the cars and leaves the garage door shut. Her suicide attempt is to die of carbon monoxide poisoning from the car exhaust. Through this attempt, it's done in a humorous way as the cars are so loud that she shushes them. And then once she starts coughing, she then opens up a window for some air.
usar. Sabrina, come out of there. Come on. Come on out of there. Hello. What are you doing here? <coughs> Just checking the spark plugs. What? Father was worried because one of the spark plugs was missing. I wanted to find out which one it was. Oh, so you started all the motors and closed all the doors. I didn't want to disturb anyone. You might never have disturbed anyone again. Does your father know about this? No. I wanted to surprise him. <coughs> You'd better get out of here. Here now. Now breathe deep. That's right. Now deeper. things. Haven't you ever heard of carbon monoxide? It kills people. It does. Certainly. What do you suppose would have happened if I hadn't come along? I'd have died. And fast. Eight cars. One would have done it. It's a good thing Mrs. Van Horn asked me to drive her home. Mrs. Van Horn? Gretchen's mother? Uh-huh. Why didn't she drive her home? Because we can't find Gretchen. She... She what? <coughs> Nothing. Well, all right. The next time you start a car, make sure you leave the garage doors open, you understand? You think a chauffeur's daughter would know better? Yes, sir. While Sabrina's suicide attempt was poorly thought out and likely to fail, Linus, played by Humphrey Bogart, still arrived at an opportune time. Next, we are taken to Paris, where Sabrina begins her training at the cooking school, where they learn the fine art of cracking an egg. Bonjour, mesdames et messieurs. Yesterday, we have learned the correct way how to boil water. Today, we will learn the correct way how to crack an egg. Voilà, an egg. Now, an egg is not a stone. It is not made of wood. It is a living thing. It has a heart. So when we crack it, we must not torment it. We must be merciful and execute it quickly, like with the guillotine. Tack! It is done with one hand. Kindly watch the wrist. Voila. One, two, three. Crack! You see? It is all in the wrist. And now, everybody, take an egg. One, two, three. New egg. One, two, three. New egg. One, two, three. New egg. One, two, three. Take an egg. Crack. The wrist. Hmm? Like a whip, you watch. One, two, three, crack! New egg. One, two, three, crack! New egg. One, two, three, crack! 
So that last gag was visual as the instructor found Sabrina with her hands full of smashed egg, and when he attempts to show her the correct way, he fails himself. Now back in Long Island... Dear father, or cher papa as we say over here, isn't my French getting good? Well, we finally finished our four-week course in sauces, and thank goodness. I thought soups were tough, but sauces just about killed me. I almost flunked my hollandaise. It kept separating on me. Too much vinegar. Does she mention David? Uh, it's Mr. Linus, Tom. He's ready to go into town. What about David? What did she say about David? Not a word. That's good. Now, wait a minute. Here's something. I don't think of David very much anymore. That's good. Except at night. That's bad. I decided to be sensible the other day and tore up David's picture. That's good. Could you please airmail me some scotch tape? That's bad. Morning, Fairchild. Good morning, sir. Beautiful day, sir. All right, take the parkway. Two windows open, 35 miles an hour. Yes, sir. Where are you off to? The office. Where do you think? The office? On Sunday? Today is Wednesday. Wednesday? This is KO75263. Give me Bowling Green 91099. Good morning, Miss McArdle. How did the market open? Industrials 247.63, up a dollar ten, rails. 94.7, up 58 cents, utilities, 47.23, off 11 cents. I'm just leaving the house. You can put the coffee on in 45 minutes. Inter-office memo, Linus Larrabee to David Larrabee. Dear David, this is to remind you that you are a junior partner of Larrabee Industries. Our building is located at 30 Broad Street, New York City. Your office is on the 22nd floor. Our normal week is Monday through Friday. Our working day is 9 to 5. Should you find this inconvenient, you are free to retire under the Larrabee Pension Plan. Having been with us one year, this will entitle you to 65 cents a month for the rest of your life. What do you hear from your daughter, Fairchild? She still loves him. I beg your pardon? I mean, she loves the cooking schools. But she'll get over it. As you just heard, David is a lazy playboy living off his parents' wealth while Linus runs the actual business. Ah, there's one in every family, right? We then go back to Paris. And now, mesdames et messieurs, soon we will see how you have learned the lesson of the souffle. The souffle, it must be gay. Gay. Like, uh, like two butterflies dancing the waltz in the summer breeze. tra la 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 Very well. You have five seconds. Four seconds. Three seconds. Two seconds. One second. To the ovens. Too low. Too pale. 
Too heavy. Too low. Too high. You are exaggerating. Fair. So so. Slappy. Mm. Superb. My dear Baron, you have not lost your touch. Much too low. I don't know what happened. I will tell you what happened. Uh, you forgot to turn on the oven. Oh. I've been watching you for a long time, mademoiselle. Your mind has not been on the cooking. Your mind has been elsewhere. You're in love. And I will venture to go a step further. You are unhappily in love. Does it show? Very clearly. A woman happily in love, she burns the souffle. A woman unhappily in love, she forgets to turn on the oven. Am I correct? Yes. But I'm trying to get over it. Oh, I try to get over it. You speak of love like it was a birth cough. He doesn't even know I exist. Might as well be reaching for the moon. The moon? <laughs> oh, you young people, you are so old-fashioned. Have you not heard? We are building rockets to reach the moon. <laughs> Uh, to begin with, uh, you must stop looking like a horse. Horse? <laughs> and by a horse, the kind old man, who's also a baron, meant Sabrina's ponytail. <laughs> the baron takes Sabrina's mind off of David, and he takes her to fancy parties and brings culture to her life. In the meantime, David is now engaged to a potential fourth wife. And when David decides to finally show up to the office, Linus informs him on the grand scheme of a potential marriage. Is he in? Is my brother in? Yes, he is, Mr. David, but he's very busy. I want to see him. Well, how about uh, 3.30 this afternoon? I want to see him now. Well, I'm sorry, Mr. David. I have my orders. He's working with the lawyers on the plastics deal. Miss McArdle, are you going to press that button, or do I have to take you up in my arms and break that door down using you as a battering ram? Mr. David! Make up your mind. Linus, I want to talk to you. Ask Miss McArdle for an appointment. Don't give me that appointment business. I'm mad. I'm really steamed. All right, gentlemen, I'll be ten minutes. Now, what's the trouble? How did this get in the paper? What? It looks like wedding bells for David Larrabee again. The girl is Elizabeth Tyson of the Oyster Bay Tysons. Well, congratulations. Did you plant this? Me? I thought it was common knowledge about you and Elizabeth Tyson. You like her, don't you? I like her a lot. Well? I like a lot of girls a lot. You can say that again. What are you going to do with that gun? Put that thing away, Linus. Look at that. Greatest plastic ever made. Not a scratch on it. See, I wonder how this would stand up against a bazooka. Miss McArdle, get General Stanton on Governor's Island and ask if we can borrow a bazooka. Yes, Mr. Larrabee. To get back to my problem, if you don't mind. Lend me a lighter. Get this straight, Linus. I have no intention of marrying Elizabeth Tyson. Doesn't burn. Doesn't scorch. Doesn't melt. How about that? Look, Linus, I've been married before. I've had it. I've had it three times. Well, this is the first time the family approves, because for once you're going to settle down and do something constructive. Taste it. What's so constructive about marrying Elizabeth Tyson? Taste it. Sweet. That's right. It's made of sugar cane. Sugar cane. Wait a minute. 
This wouldn't have anything to do with the fact that the Tysons own the largest holdings of sugarcane in Puerto Rico, would it? Second largest. The largest have no daughter. It's all beginning to make sense. Mr. Tyson owns the sugarcane. You own the formula for the plastics. And I'm supposed to be offered up as a human sacrifice on the altar of industrial progress. Is that it? You make it sound so vulgar, David, as if the son of the hot dog dynasty were being offered in marriage to the daughter of the mustard king. Surely, surely you don't object to Elizabeth just because her father happens to have $20 million. That's very narrow-minded of you, David. Just one thing you overlooked. I haven't proposed and she hasn't accepted. Oh, don't worry. I proposed and Mr. Tyson accepted. Did you kiss him? Now, look, David. Elizabeth is one of the loveliest girls around. Sooner or later, you're going to propose to her anyway. I'm only trying to help you make up your mind. Then why don't you marry her? Me? Well, what's so funny? You want to die an old maid? Well, I was just thinking that if I were ever to get married, I'd have to take a dictaphone, two secretaries, and four corporation counselors along on the honeymoon. I'd be unfaithful to my wife every night of my married life, with vice presidents, boards of directors, slide rule accountants. This, this is my home. No wife would ever understand it. Well, neither can I. You've got all the money in the world. Well, what's money got to do with it? If making money were all there was to business, it's hard to be worthwhile going to the office. Money is a byproduct. Well, what's the main objective? Power? Ah, that's become a dirty word. Well, then what's the urge? You're going into plastics now. What will that prove? So while David is lazy, Linus is shrewd and conniving, using David for his own purposes, which is frankly ingenious, since David doesn't want to work at the company in a traditional executive way, so he can use his talents in other ways. And Linus figured that out. So we fast forward two years, Sabrina has graduated and is preparing to return back to Long Island. Dearest father, we shall be graduating next week and I shall be getting my diploma. I want to thank you now for the two most wonderful years of my life. I shall always love you for sending me here. It is late at night, and someone across the way is playing La Vie en Rose. It is the French way of saying, I am looking at the world through rose-colored glasses, and it says everything I feel. I have learned so many things, Father. Not just how to make bichyssoise or calf's head with sauce vinaigrette, but a much more important recipe. I have learned how to live, how to be in the world and of the world, and not just to stand aside and watch. And I will never, never again run away from life, or from love either. I'm taking the plane home on Friday, Father. You needn't pick me up at the airport. I'll just take the Long Island Railroad and you can meet me at the train, the 4.15. <laughs> if you should have any difficulty recognizing your daughter, I shall be the most sophisticated woman at the Glen Cove station. 
Taxi, miss. Cheapest rates in Glencoe. Well, hello. How are you? Well, I'm fine. How are you? And I might add, who are you? Who am I? Am I supposed to know? Come to think of it, no, you're not supposed to know. Are you stranded? My father was supposed to pick me up, but something must have happened. Whoever your father is and whatever happened, I'll be eternally grateful. That is, if I can give you a lift. You certainly can. You can drive me home. Good. I'll get your bags. Where do you live? Desaurus Lane. Desaurus Lane? Say, that's where I live. Really? Sure. We must be neighbors. And if there's one thing I believe in, it's love thy neighbor. Oh, so do I. Come on, David. David? Is his name David? Yes, it is. <laughs> that's funny. My name's David, too. That is funny, isn't it? Are you uh, sure you don't want to tell me your name? Positive. I'm having much too much fun. All right, if you want to play games. Have you um, always lived here in Long Island? Most of my life. I could have sworn I knew every pretty girl on the North Shore. I could have sworn you took in more territory than that. <laughs> this is maddening. I know I've seen that face before. Let me see your profile again. I know, I know you. I have a feeling I've seen you with your father. Wait a minute, is your father Admiral Starrett? Hardly. It's funny, I keep seeing him in a uniform. Oh, come on. Give us a hint. What does your father do? He's in transportation. Transportation. Railroads, New York Central. No. Planes, TWA. No. Boats, United States lines. <laughs> no. I pass. Automobiles. Oh? Chrysler. Yes, Chrysler and Ford and General Motors and Rolls-Royce. Is your father on the board of directors of all those companies? Well, you might say he runs things. I bet my brother Linus knows him. He certainly does. As a matter of fact, they quite often drive into town together. They do? Straight through to the garage, please. I feel so stupid I could kill myself. <laughs> You'll be all right in a minute. Yep, David is a complete buffoon and doesn't even realize Sabrina was the chauffeur's daughter that he never paid attention to before. Amazing what a short-style European haircut, Parisian clothes, and a dog will do to appearances. Suddenly, Sabrina's the only woman David has eyes for, much to her delight. Hello, Linus. I'm back. It's Sabrina. Isn't it amazing? Would you have recognized her, that scrawny little kid who used to whip around corners every time she saw us coming? Her knees always painted with mercurochrome. How do you like those legs now? David. Aren't they something? David, the last pair of legs that was something cost the family $25,000. Sabrina now believes she holds the cards with David, but her father is worried that she's setting herself up for heartache again, as David essentially has an arranged marriage for business purposes. But Sabrina's plan is put to the test when she attends one of the family parties. This time, she's no longer watching from a tree. The problem for Linus is that Sabrina is taking the focus away from the arranged fiancé and therefore his business plans. 
this is such fun. So much more fun than just watching from that tree. I'm so glad you came back home, Sabrina. I'll never let you go away again. Never? Never. David, would you like to kiss me? Would I? Yes. A nice, steady kiss. Not on roller skates this time. Roller skates? You don't remember. Well, I remember I had a pair of roller skates. I was nine years old, and you had your arms around me because you were teaching me to skate backwards. And suddenly you kissed me. I've never forgotten. Well, Sabrina, let's get out of here. Yes, let's. I'll tell you what. You slip away first, and then I'll meet you at... The indoor tennis court? Yes. And you'll bring champagne? Of course. You saw an awful lot from that tree, didn't you? And will you have the orchestra play? Isn't it romantic? Naturally. being a good host, but I'll, uh, I'll get him out of circulation. Thank you. You got a minute, David? Oh, uh, not right now. The old man wants to see you. Later. I'm busy. You better come along. He's frothing at the mouth. Oh, what about? You guess. Animal, vegetable, or mineral? Definitely animal. David's father berates him for being infatuated with the chauffeur's daughter, but Linus uses reverse psychology, with the payoff being that Linus tells him to relax and sit down, knowing full well David has champagne glasses in his pocket, which are crushed when he sits. David badly cuts his legs and his butt, giving him so much pain, therefore removing any chances of going to the tennis courts to see Sabrina. Linus goes in David's place to the tennis courts. Thank you. Let's drink to that. I'm sorry it isn't David here instead of me, but it's all in the family. You know, when you just walked in here, I was sure you'd been sent by the family to deal with me. To deal with you? Like in a Viennese operetta. The young prince falls in love with the waitress at the Ratskeller, and the prime minister is sent to buy her off. Buy her off? Yes. He offers her 5,000 kronen? No, she says. 10,000? No. 15,000 kronen? No. 25,000 kronen? No. $25,000? No. How did dollars get into this? $25,000 after taxes. That's a lot of money, Sabrina. What are you trying to say? Well, I'm just trying to make it worthwhile. What's a kroner these days? No self-respecting prime minister would offer kronen. No self-respecting waitress would take dollars. Good girl. Hey, um, how does this operetta end? What's the last act? I don't know. I guess they run away to America on a Zeppelin, with everybody singing like mad. <laughs> they open a brewery in Milwaukee. Yes. The love that made Milwaukee famous. Frozen. There it is. 
were playing the night before I went away. David was right here, dancing it with somebody else. Tonight I wanted it to be me. It's all in the family. going to make sure that all the fragments have been removed. Very simple. We will reconstruct the two champagne glasses. Oh! Now, I cannot possibly be hurting you. The area has been completely anesthetized. It's not you. It's that song. Oh. David were here now, you'd expect him to kiss you, wouldn't you? Mm. Here's a kiss from David. It's all in the family. Sabrina's little plan now has been thrown for a loop as she dances wide-eyed with Linus. Part of Linus's plan is to keep Sabrina distracted with him, and because David is such a playboy, he'll eventually lose interest and go back to the fiancé. So while David recovers from his rear-end cuts, Linus takes Sabrina sailing. Now the problem for Linus is that he's not David. And for Linus, it's been a very long time since he's tried to romance a woman. Oh, yeah. Wonder why I never heard it before. Well, you've been in Paris for two years. Yes. We have no bananas. We have no bananas today. <laughs> How did they ever think of those words? Oh, they are clever, aren't they? May I play another? Of course. Oh, you need dusting. I beg your pardon. I didn't mean you, Linus. Thank you. How's David? Well, he's been flat on his stomach, but he's feeling better, thank you. Now he's flat on his back. I'm missing. Not that I'm not having a good time. Sabrina. Yes? Do you mind if we turn this off? Why? Because. Don't you like it? I used to like it. Certain songs bring back certain memories to me, too. Did you love her? I'd rather not talk about it. I'm sorry. Well, that's all right. 
so strange to think of you being touched by a woman. I always thought you walked alone. No man walks alone from choice. As a child, I used to watch you from the window over the garage, coming and going, always wearing your black Homburg and carrying a briefcase and an umbrella. I thought you could never belong to anyone, never care for anyone. Oh, yes, the cold businessman behind his marble desk way up in his executive suite. No emotion, just ice water in his veins and ticker tape coming from his heart. And yet, one day, that same cold businessman, high up in a skyscraper, opens a window, steps out on a ledge, stands there for three hours wondering if he should jump. Because of her? No. No, that was another woman. Sabrina... Do you find it hard to believe that someone might want to blot out everything for sentimental reasons? Oh, I believe it. You know what I almost did because of sentimental reasons? I... I went to Paris to blot it out. Maybe you should go to Paris, Linus. To Paris? It helped me a lot. Have you ever been there? Oh, yes. Yes, once. I was there for 35 minutes. 35 minutes? Changing planes. I was on my way to Iraq on an oil deal. Oh, but Paris isn't for changing planes. It's... It's for changing your outlook. For, for throwing open the windows and letting in... Letting in la vie en rose. Paris is for lovers. Maybe that's why I stayed only 35 minutes. Linus, though not as conventionally suave as David, definitely has his own way of charming Sabrina. And she's no longer completely hung up on David. But Linus' main goal, and he even shares this with Sabrina's father, is to have her go back to Paris and stay there, which would solve everything for the business purposes. All right, there's a little over 30 minutes left and plenty of plot left unanswered. Will Linus' plan work? Will David continue to fall in love with Sabrina? Or maybe there's other twists we're not even thinking about. If you haven't seen this bona fide classic, it's a must-watch, just for the talents of Audrey Hepburn and Humphrey Bogart. All right, some fun facts. In real life, there was a love connection between Hepburn and Holden, who had a brief love affair after working together on this film. Hepburn actually broke off the relationship when she learned that William Holden could not have children. Sabrina was nominated for six Oscars, but only one won, and that was for Best Costume Design, Black and White, for Edith Head. The other categories were Best Director, that lost to Elia Kazan for On the Waterfront, Best Actress, which lost to Grace Kelly for The Country Girl. Best Screenplay, which again lost to The Country Girl. Best Art Direction, Black and White, which was for On the Waterfront. And Best Cinematography, Black and White, again On the Waterfront. Because of the costumes, high price, Paramount insisted that Audrey Hepburn pay for them herself as part of her personal wardrobe. Jeez. All right, we have lots of guests for this episode. We have Samantha, because... Audrey Hepburn is one of her favorite actresses, but she has a different take on this film. And also the dynamic duo of Metal Mike Tyler and Bill Roseberry. This is the first time that Bill has seen this movie, so we get his fresh take. But Metal Mike loves his Humphrey Bogart, so we'll get that perspective from Metal Mike. And then I'll be back next week for yet another random movie from my DVD collection. Okay, we're back with Samantha, who, of course, one of her favorite actresses of all time is Audrey Hepburn. So it's only natural that we have her talk about Sabrina. So welcome back. 
Yes, hello. Yes, I'm one of those girls. <laughs> That's right. And so when I brought this film up to you, you, you immediately said, this is off the off the air. You're like, I have lots to say about this film. <laughs> so I'm just going to hand over the mic to you and you can give me your, your data dump of thoughts because I'm sure my guess is it, it part of it has to do with the casting of Bogart. Yeah. I, yes. <laughs> so, okay. Well, yeah, casting, I think, always distracted me from this movie. I probably watched it for the first time when I was a teenager. And it's been 15 plus years now. Okay. So I've grown as a person. But I still feel like the casting, from a, like, a female perspective, it kind of tarnishes the like charm and just like joy I would have gotten <laughs> out of this movie in a way, if that makes sense. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, you have to be into the, um, the actors you're watching. And so that, that makes sense. So I, I guess, obviously Cary Grant would have been the obvious choice over Bogart, even though Cary Grant's older. Oh yeah. There's definitely a personality issue here too, with, I think to going in, and having, you know, thoughts about these actors and seeing them in other things. Cary Grant definitely fits the mold better. This is a surprisingly funny movie, kind of like a romantic comedy drama. And he is more of a comedic romantic lead. And I never <laughs> pictured Humphrey Bogart as that <laughs> then or now. <laughs> I think Lauren Bacall would disagree, but no, I, I get oh, what you're true. I, I was reading and there was a lot of, like, I don't know how much conflict, but there was conflict because Humphrey Bogart wanted her to play the Sabrina role. And yeah, maybe there would have been more of a, yeah, romantic spark there. <laughs> yeah. And, and, the and obviously they ended up being a Grant and Hepburn together in, in um, charade. And, and that's mm -hmm. where one, I, it, Obviously, he's much older, too, but it seems to work better. I don't know. It's just a different charm with, with uh, Cary Grant. Yeah, yeah. I, and age is always an issue in, the, in this time period, especially, like, casting these really experienced older male actors with the, you know, young, like, ingenue mm -hmm. female actresses. And, yeah, I, being... A woman, I always found it's always a bit icky, but <laughs> when the older actor is a bit more like charming, it helps. <laughs> oh, sure. And that, that makes perfect sense. I mean, I you could say the same thing on the other side. Like if, if the female actress was icky or not not, you know, up to or not my my type, like I could understand the same thing. Yeah. And yeah, being such like an Audrey Hepburn fan, I was like, oh, I wish she could have like Humphrey Bogart, Bogart's an amazing actor, but in those like, you know, detective, like hard yes. movies and mysteries, he's very gruff. And then Audrey Hepburn is, was a very like bubbly bright, especially as this character. And on one hand, the casting kind of worked because Bogart played Linus, who was like, you know, middle-aged, workaholic also kind of socially gruff and it did work in that way but yeah just from personal preference I think they still could have cast a 
more like light, um, but someone with a lighter touch, I suppose. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I think that makes sense. And so if, well, I don't know, it, even though he, Bogart was a huge star at the time, he was actually probably the draw originally, because if you think about it, Audrey Hepburn, this is really her, her only second starring mm-hmm. role. She had just mm-hmm. come off Roman holiday and she's amazing in that. Um, yeah. But when you watch the film now, she's really the draw to the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she is, the, of course, the main character. And I think she carries the movie with how she looks and moves around and how she talks and everything. It's It fits her so well. And I think everyone else is honestly kind of forgettable. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. But really, yeah, she was still so young. And... I was also reading, I think she was only paid like something ridiculous, like $15,000. Oh, wow. $20,000, maybe up, maybe 50 at most if I misread that. But Mm -hmm. yeah. And then like Humphrey Bogart and William Holden were paid like in the hundreds of thousands. Oh, sure. Um, So yeah. And that too is a whole other issue. (laughs) It is, but also, to be fair, um, at the time, you've, again, it's her mm-hmm. second big movie. So it's almost like yeah. a, um, you know, in sports, we have a rookie contract where you have the veteran. Yeah. So at the time, I, I'm not sure Audrey Hepburn would have been the draw. Now, looking back, no. now she is. Um, exactly. So, yes. Yeah, so, um, but there was times I'm like in, in past, like where Barbara Stanwyck would be the main uh, actress and she would be paid more than her mm-hmm. male counterpart. So it really depended, but yeah, you're totally right. I mean, to have her being, being paid $50,000 for that type of movie. Um, yeah. So the yeah. casting was really yeah interesting because too, like if they wanted to pull such high, you know, top name actors, why did they pick her? They, right. why didn't they pick someone more, more of a top star at the time, but they went with a younger, newer actress. Well, and that's typical of Hollywood, too, because, um, you know, she was up and coming and she was rising and a huge success of Roman Holiday. And, mm-hmm. and frankly, her character's kind of similar. She definitely plays a type, I think. <laughs> well, and that, so that brings me to a, the question. So, like, even something as simple as her when she cuts her hair and when she, she goes off to Paris and she kind of mm-hmm. reforms herself. I mean, it kind of harkened back to when she did that as the princess in Roman Holiday. Yeah, she did got the same short haircut and... Yeah, I always love a um, makeover (laughs) twins or makeover um, moment in a movie. And yeah, this one was there. I find them very satisfying and fun. So if that happens in every movie, great. (laughs) If you can remember, what what were your favorite scenes? I know I loved her when she was, you know, doing the the cooking classes and learning how to break an egg and things like that. Oh yeah. Um, so it had been a few years since I had rewatched this and I rewatched it yesterday and I totally forgot about the cooking scenes with the chef instructor. Those were super funny. Um, and all of this small, yeah, comedic moments with the, her dad. And I thought the, like the setup to her, kind of leaving and changing her life was all very well done. And, um, but yeah, coming back when she came back from Paris, um, the, I think there were a couple great scenes. I think of course the first one was when she gets in the car with um, David or William Holden. He doesn't recognize her 
and she kind of plays into it the whole time. Um, that was really well done. And then um, when she gets to have her grand like reveal at the party and like the beautiful white dress, I loved that too. So yeah, a lot of great, a lot of great standout moments. You kind of forget that the beginning is a little bit dark because she does try to kill herself. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And it, I, it's very emotional. And yeah. I think it gives a interesting, like, yeah, interesting depth to her character that they really didn't need to do. And it might have been like a little hard. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because we didn't really address it later. Like, oh, you know, there's a bigger problem if you're suicidal. I don't know. You could really read into that the wrong way where she, you know, she was pining after a man and all of that, but without going too, too deep. Yeah. It was kind of a harsh intro, but I could see how it all, it all worked in well. Well, yeah. And then it quickly pivots to more of a lighthearted. Uh, yeah. it, doesn't, it doesn't get dark long because <laughs> uh-huh. you, you would lose the audience if you did that. Yeah. Oh Yeah. Yeah, and then she has her, like, princess moment when she oh, comes sure. back. And it's like, oh, she, after all that, she is going to get the guy she's been in love with. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it all changes. <laughs> so we, we know your, how you feel about Bogart. How did you feel about William Holden? We kind of talked about him in the picnic episode. And so that was actually, um, I believe, the year bef- before or after Marina. Um, mm. So right around, you know, right around the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, how did you feel about him there? And kind of life kind of imitates art because uh, him and Audrey Hepburn were actually in a relationship. So, yeah, I, I saw that on Wikipedia. Yeah, <laughs> I thought his he fit the role. Um, you know, charming playboy, irresponsible younger brother. Mm-hmm. Still, the the ages were just like all over the place. I'm one of those people who get really caught up on like, how old was this actor? Like when this was being filmed right. and like, who did they cast as the parents? That <laughs> That's just a, a thing I do. Despite that, he still felt a little more appropriate and fun and light and was a good foil to Humphrey Bogart being an older brother who works all the time mm-hmm. so without giving it away because some people haven't seen this so it were was the ending when you first saw this you're like oh yeah it's got to end up this way or was it still kind of charming enough to where you're like okay I, I see what this is going and i'm fine with it yeah i think one of the reasons i haven't re-watched this movie a lot over the years is because of that to me at least it was a not it the ending wasn't satisfying mm-hmm. Because of ultimately, I don't, she wasn't treated well. and No, she was kind of just thrown around. <laughs> yeah. And you could say that he, people changed their minds and there was love. But if, she, yeah, Sabrina was really taken advantage of ultimately. And yeah, it wasn't satisfying to me. It wasn't one of it wasn't like a feel good ending mm-hmm. that I wanted to keep coming back to, and that's fair. That's fair. So <laughs> I'll ask. I doubt you have, but have you seen the remake from 1995? No, I never. <laughs> uh, this is where I. I mean, even back in back then, Hollywood was was remaking things. I can't imagine who thought this was a good idea to remake this. Now, that being said, I. I so Harrison Ford plays the. 
uh, Bogart character. You could argue that Ford is arguably as legendary of an actor as mm-hmm. as Bogart. However, they had uh, I'm sh- she very few people have heard of Julia, you know, Ormond, even though um, there's no way she can compete with uh, Audrey Hepburn. So that alone, you're not going to find an actress that really competes with her. So I don't know why you go there. And then Greg Kinnear yeah. kind of plays the William Holden character, which, okay, fine. But man, I just can't imagine why that thought, anyone thought that would be a good idea. I don't know. It happens too much. <laughs> it does. And they got a good direct. I mean, Sidney Pollack directed it. So mm-hmm. I was like, geez, maybe he was just doing it for the payday. Yeah. That was like 40 years later. So yeah, we thought time for a refresh. Uh, generation i know and you and i before we were started recording we were talking about you know ai and all that stuff but you know hollywood kind of brings it upon themselves if you're not going to come up with original ideas you're going to be uh replaced by robots and that's what could yeah. happen soon we can have a sabrina remade in five years with whoever the popular actors are or like, by AI <laughs> or, or come up with your own, like Rand, you and I could come up with our own cast. Like if you always wanted Cary Grant to be with uh, Meryl Streep, we could do it and they would look oh, yeah. equally the same age. Because we, could, yeah. <laughs> we could, I mean, that's where it's going. It could be kind of nuts. Not that we really want that. We would prefer actual humans writing uh, new stuff, but who knows where it's going to go. But in any case, so thank you for doing this. And uh, I thought for sure this was one you might like more, but I, I think you, from what I gathered, you, you loved Hepburn's performance. It's just the, the stuff around it. Yeah. If I could recast this movie in an alternate history, yes, yeah. it would be amazing because this movie has like everything going for it that I enjoy. It has the quick dialogue, the comedy, the the makeover sequence of <laughs> personal growth and change and also the costumes are phenomenal. Oh yeah. I would say like top two Audrey Hepburn movie costume wardrobes. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, the the guys really killed it for me. <laughs> and that's fair. I'm, I want to get that opinion. And I think yeah. um yeah that, that might be I think the common gripe with that is that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, like we've talked about, I think genre and mm-hmm. certain, I think too, looking back, like we, we grow up watching people in certain roles and the, when you see them in other movies, it just, yeah, maybe if we, if I saw it then it would have made more sense, but coming in from this perspective, it's just doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. And it is really hard for an actor who, you know, them for something and then they're, they're going, pe- you know, past life. It usually happens with yeah. comedic actors all the time. Um, yeah. You know, you think of Jim Carrey, you think of Will Ferrell, you think of something. And when they, they're not doing, they're like, eh, or Adam Sandler, you know, that's, yeah, that's yeah. like, you're not getting what you want as right. a movie viewer. Like yeah. you expect one thing. And if you're not like satisfied in that way, it's not something that you want to, rewatch a million times and i think it's much easier it to go from serious to funny uh than vice versa because mm. you look at airplane the reason airplane works so well is you got all of these uh past actors who were in serious roles and they were kind of it was it was parroting the, themselves because yeah. they played it so seriously uh-huh. it, it, it kind of had like the jerry lewis and those like kind of dopey comedian actors it wouldn't have been as funny so yeah, totally. Uh, yeah. So it does work sometimes. Yeah. It can. It can. Well, thank you, Samantha, for doing this. And we'll we'll have you on again real soon. Okay. All right. Thanks. 
Okay, we're back with Metal Mike Tyler and Bill Roseberry, and we're going to talk about the 1954 classic, Sabrina. And uh, the first thing I'm going to ask, because actually Mike saw the, has seen this film multiple times. Bill has actually never seen this before. Um, but Mike, I know you're a big Bogart fan. Mm-hmm. And so uh, was this one of the first Bogart films that you saw, or where did this kind of fit? In uh, That's an interesting question, Brian. I, As I said, I got on a, into a Bogart kit, uh, kick and my my dad knowing that i love bogey man um it might have just been on turner classic movies one night i was hanging out with him. he goes well you, you should check this out it's a pretty good movie and i didn't even know bogey and audrey hepburn had done a film you know mm. um i i liked it you know spoiler i guess but i wouldn't <laughs> be here if i didn't like the movie well you um, could yeah i guess you know but. <laughs> Well, where where would it rank in like bogey films for you? Because I'm assuming you like kind of as more hard boiled, you know, multi. Yeah, I do. Yeah. But one of the things that was really cool about this movie for me was him trying something different. You know, right. it right. wasn't it wasn't your typical um, Humphrey Bogart film, and that's kind of what I liked about it. You know, mm-hmm. um, I I it, I where would I rank it? I don't know. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Obviously, I'm not going to put it. I mean, you got. Man, I mean, Maltese Falcon, Madre, you know, African Queen. Uh, I like High Sierra a lot. No uh, doubt. Man, Key Largo. Key Largo. Love Key Largo. Just yeah. added that to my collection. Key there Largo. you go. Yeah. yeah, so this is tough. I mean, it is a different um type of type of film but i do like yeah. it you know okay and also it's not just bogey i mean you got william holden you got audrey hepburn oh yeah. I, I love the guy who plays her dad i think he was great mm-hmm. um the guy who plays bogey's dad what well, bogey and <laughs> he was hilarious uh uh oliver larrabee bill you'd never seen it um first impressions of after after seeing it i mean it was a good it was a good movie and and my favorite obviously Mike just said Oliver Larrabee, their dad. Mm-hmm. He was he was awesome, but I was really blown away with William Holden mm-hmm. because I've seen William Holden in a lot of stuff, you know, uh, or a decent amount of stuff. The Wild Bunch, uh, um, you know, I own uh, Sunset Boulevard, Boulevard, yep. and Bridge Over the River Kwai, and uh, was it what was the one he did with John Wayne too? Um, the horse soldiers, you know, but he, he always plays this, you know, you're right. The whole, uh, the horse soldiers. Yeah. He's Mm -hmm. always a tough guy, you know, and, 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 uh, you know, and here he was kind of a playboy and I just didn't expect him to, to, to be like that, you know? And I, I thought, I thought he did a great job, you know, he wasn't a bad guy. He just wasn't really grown up. He was just your rich playboy, you know? Mm -hmm. And bogey was just bogey. A workaholic. Yep. I think Bogey was a little out of place. I mean, he, he was still Bogey in it. I mean, Bogey's one of those guys, I think he, he just pretty much always plays Bogey. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, like I, I said earlier when we were off mic, I said, you know, sometimes I wish he'd take that corn cob out of his ass and, <laughs> and smile a little bit. I mean, it's like somebody pissed in his Wheaties every day, but but I, I love him. He didn't He's have to fucking actor. smile, though, dude. He's Bogey. But, he didn't have to smile. No, he is. He's he's really. He cool, got chicks but. anyway, just because he he didn't he did, you know, he didn't have to be all pretty and smile. Plus, he had false know? teeth too. So. Exactly. Yeah, he didn't want. <laughs> yeah, dude, give the guy a well, break. So another, I'm going to go back to William Holden for a second. Great later era film for him. Network. 
Uh, yes, never seen yes, that yes. He's great in network. Um, one thing I, I got to mention, I mean, the elephant in the room is this film, well, the role of Linus was meant for Cary Grant. He turned it down. And this was a bone of contention for, for Bogart because he wasn't the first choice to play Linus because it was out of type. Do you guys think that this film could have been better if Cary Grant plays Linus? And we'll start Oh, it had been completely different. It would have yeah. been just a completely different film because Cary Grant, and I love Cary Grant to death, but he's more of a comedic ant- actor. And, and I know this movie is this movie is is a comedy too, and it's kind of a rom com, really. But it is. But I I don't know. I think what was kind of cool was the fact because Bogey's suave, but just in a different way. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. He was doing what he was doing because he wanted that merger to go through. That was it. And it was like she was in the way Mm -hmm. and he had to make sure she wasn't in the way anymore. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I just but like I said, it would have been a completely different film with Cary Grant. I'm not saying it would have been a bad film. Mm hmm. Um, but it would have been different. It would have been a lot different, I think. And yeah. I had no idea that Carrie was originally supposed oh, yeah. to be his part. That it, it, it was an absolute bone of contention for for Bogart because of it. Um, Bill, would you have liked this film better if if uh, Cary Grant is in the movie instead of Bogart? Um, I don't know, but for me, I I think I might have even said it the not knowing any of this until you just brought it up. I think Mike didn't I say it the night we watched the movie. This would have been, I think this might have been neat if we would have had like uh, Cary Grant and Jimmy Stewart, you know? Mm. But I looked at Cary Grant as David Larrabee's character more. I, I would see him playing more that role. I mean, sure, he could pull off Linus, but I think I think I could see Cary Grant being more the playboy and, and the, the rich playboy than the than than um, the Linus character myself. Sure. Well, again, and you you brought up an interesting thing. Putting uh, James Stewart and Cary Grant together, go go check out the Philadelphia story because they're in. The, I, they're, I've they're, seen they're, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's a good one. Yeah. Okay, so obviously Audrey Hepburn, gorgeous, one of you know one of the top actresses of all time. Um, but one of my favorite scenes is when she goes to France. I mean, I love. I actually adore that scene when she's trying to break the <laughs> eggs. What? Um, how did you guys feel about her? I mean, Bill seemed a little less uh, impressed with her than maybe Mike and I. So, uh, Bill, what 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 didn't do you do do it for you with Audrey Hepburn in the film? And then we'll get Mike's take after. I, I'll be honest. This is a for. I know it sounds terrible. I sound like I'm uncultured, but this first <laughs> first time I've ever watched an Audrey Hepburn movie. And mm-hmm. I mean, I like a lot of older movies. I'm not saying I don't. I own a lot of them, but I think there's a little bit of overacting by, and, and, and it was it was especially noticeable, I think, in the in the the female parts. And I'm not trying to say that to disparage the the actresses back then. I mean, one of my favorites is uh, Maureen O'Hara. I, I don't think mm-hmm. she did it as much. But yeah, I mean that. I don't know. There's like that that princess type vibe to it, or whatever. That kind of gets on my nerves a little bit. I don't mm-hmm. know. I mean, when you brought up Philadelphia story, Catherine Hepburn got on my nerves a little bit in that. Oh, I believe that. It's funny. Yeah. Lindsay and I just watched that, and that's exactly well, what you because said. Because her character is a spoiled brat in that totally. movie. It's like Scarlett O'Hara and Gone with the Wind. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, I can't. Well, I can't stand. Um, um, Vivian Lee or Vivian yeah. Lee. Vivian yeah. Lee, yeah. yeah, fuck her. Because I watched uh, Sweetheart <laughs> Dire after I watched <laughs> and I was like, well, let's give it another try. And I was like, oh, yep, I hate her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Let the South burn. Yeah. Well, you know yeah. what, Bill? You always accuse me of being a cynical fuck, but I think yeah. maybe you kind of are, man. You're rubbing off, Mark. Mar- <laughs> I, uh-huh. I rub it off on the old man. Uh, it, well, look, <laughs> I, I understand the, the, the Scarlet O'Hara thing, though, because I don't. Sure. I've said this before many times. Her character's not Likeable. a very likable character, you know? So no. it's like. Stella's is um, not much better. No, no, she's not at all. You <laughs> That's know, true. But, uh, That's a good point. Um, but kind of back uh, to Audrey Hepburn a little bit. I, I, I don't know. I mean, she was fine in it. Princess type factor with it. I guess I kind of, kind of gets on my nerves a little. Well, bit. I will not. I will not recommend Roman Holiday for you because she does actually <laughs> play a princess. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, Mike. I, I, obviously, you're gonna have a point counterpoint here. I, I well, think, yeah, yeah. someone I'm not like the world's biggest Audrey Hepburn fan, but my mom and dad liked her, especially my mom. Um, there's something about her that the women really love. They just oh, love sure. them some Audrey Hepburn, and. Um, I, I, and also, people have to remember this was one of her fir- first films. In fact, Bogey was even kind of gotten patient with her sometimes because yep. of her inexperience. She, it took her a while to get her dialogue right, and uh, he wanted his wife to be cast he, as the. He wanted her in everything. Uh, yeah, I'm just reading that right now. So I'm like, oh, okay, interesting. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I thought I'd throw that in there, but um, and also I guess Bogey, like you said, man, he was unhappy during the filming, convinced he was just totally wrong for this kind of film, mad at right. being Wilder's first, not being Wilder's first choice, that's right, and not liking Holden or Wilder. But yep. Wilder's offbeat casting produced a performance that critics generally considered successful. Bogart later apologized to Wilder for his behavior on set, citing problems in his personal life. So there you go. I think she's a good little actress. I think if you watch some of her other movies, but she is a certain type, you know, she's mm-hmm. kind of, um, perky, I guess is the word I'm looking for, or she's, um, eccentric almost if, if you catch my drift. And, uh, I mean, I, the thing about her, she's just a little bitty thing, but there is something about her. I, I can't really pinpoint it. You know, like I look at other women in Hollywood and I'm like, Oh man, like Elizabeth Taylor, you know, Marilyn Monroe smoke shows. Would not say Audrey Hepburn is a smoke show, but there's something appealing about her. There's something classy about her. I think that's right. You, it's, you it's get kind of, like of a regal thing. Yeah. And right. So I can understand why um, Bill uh, says what he do- does about her. But I will say this, even in real life, man, I mean, she did a lot of good. Uh, yes. I mean, she's a goodwill ambassador. Humanitarian. For yep. She did a lot of humanitarian right. things, especially for kids. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, I think she was a good woman. You know, well, I think she was her legacy. I mean, definitely. Yeah. Uh, and I'm going to agree with Bill about something because, uh, you know, one of her most famous films is Breakfast at Tiffany's. I really don't like her character in that. I, I don't like that film that much. So everyone has their own. Women love that movie. Women though. love that film. I, it's not one of my favorites. And part of it is because I'm used to her in a different roles. My favorite role with her is actually Charade with Cary Grant because it's almost like a Hitchcock it's- film. That is a terrific film. So I think if you like Hitchcock-esque films and you like Cary Grant, I think that would be um, one to check out with her. Uh, I definitely check yeah. that out. Like, I love North by Northwest. So. Oh, then you'll love Charade. I think Charade's one of the first movies I ever saw with both actors. Um, well, let's wrap up on this. I, I, You know, again, we've mentioned in past episodes, Hollywood is officially out of ideas with things. Why they felt the need to remake this with, <laughs> uh, in 1995 with Harrison Ford, they got a kind of an unknown actress to play uh, Sabrina. Plus, um, I, I guess it was... Uh, Greg Kinnear? Yeah, I mean, you can't compare Greg Kinnear to William Holden. Uh, why did they feel the need to remake that, uh, Mike? Um, 
I don't know. Honestly, I didn't mind the remake that much. Uh, I'm like, well, if anybody's going to play a part that Bogey played, Harrison Ford's the guy who could do it. I get that. Do I like it as well as the original? No, no, I don't. But I didn't hate on it. You know, I didn't. Let me just say this. I've seen worse fucking remakes and we'll just leave it at that. But I will say with Hollywood, it is a it is a point of contention with me because I'm like, there's all these great books and novels and short stories that people have written. There's all this IP out potential IP and they just keep going back to the same stuff. It's like Amazon with the Lord of the Rings and then changing it to suit their ideology. It's like, uh, you know, guys, there's just so many things that are great IP. They could do where especially Hollywood is sequel happy as they are and streaming happy as they are. Again, man, you're gonna you're gonna leave me to another damn meltdown because it just pisses me <laughs> off because they're just morons, man. They're yep. still more even as they just don't get it. Like, oh, let's make let, let's remake this movie for the 500th time when there's yep. all kinds of you know. So when there's they see there's no ideas. Oh, there's ideas out there. Do a little they're research. Just, they're Do not a little taking fucking the risk. research. Go out there. Yeah, but you're right. It's all about that's exactly it. They don't want to take the risk. They don't want to try a new IP because. Mm-hmm. They're scared to death. I think, in fact, I'll be honest. I think um, streaming with the television shows have a lot more guts than um, even though I was just using the Lord of the Rings series on Amazon as Mm -hmm. an example. You also got Isaac Asimov's foundation on Apple TV. That's something that's never been done before. Kudos Mm -hmm. to them. So I think it's getting, you know, you got some people out there that get it. But unfortunately, yeah, you still have the rules. Remake the Texas Chainsaw Massacre <laughs> for the 500th time, or whatever it is. Right. You know, exactly. It's like, or Halloween. You know, come or, on, man. When there's all kinds of great. Crap. Yep. There's, yeah, it is part of it. And part of it's like you said, I think they're just like, oh, well, this is safe. We're going to yeah. play it safe. We're going to do, you know, I mean, I don't know. You I, know. Yeah. I, and I won't go too much on a tangent. We could talk about this off air because I, I think it's an interesting topic. But, Bill, I mean, since you weren't. A huge fan of the of the original. Would you check out the remake since Harrison Ford's in it? I don't know. Um, I've I never have. I uh, never really had had the interest to. I don't know if I would or not. I mean, maybe if if I was sitting down there and Mike threw it in because I know he's got that downstairs. But okay, uh, you know, I don't know. But but it's not it's not on my list of things to watch. Um, I was gonna say though kind of building off of what we were talking about with doing the sequel and everything is Mike talking about Hollywood, not coming up with original ideas and everything. A couple of things I've heard through these. I can't remember the, the, the author's name now, but the movie wonder boys with Michael Douglas, the mm. author who wrote that book, I heard him doing a, uh, he was speaking at a college one time and I was listening to it when I was, when I was really into working on, on mine years ago. Mm-hmm. And he, talking about how Hollywood will break your heart because he says, you know, it took me years and they finally did that one and it almost didn't make it. Mm. They almost shut the project down and he says, you know, um, and he had other books that he thought were going to get turned into a movie and it'd get it'd get shut down. Um, here locally where we're from, there's a book called uh, The Men of Granite. It was written by a journalist from Milwaukee, um, uh, newspaper journalist and he had been down here and he he heard about this group of armenian basketball players that won a state title in granite city illinois in 1940 and one of them was one of those guys was andy phillip who went on to play at university of illinois and went on to play at boston celtics and won back 
you know, we're talking play, playing with Bill Russell. Yeah. The championships and all that. Andy Phillip is in a, in the Hall of Fame. And uh, so he was on those teams and this old sports writer was seeing Granite City and seeing how all these Armenian immigrants came together to win a, a state title back in 1940. And he decided to write this book. So he writes the book and, you know, the book has some success and they decide they're going to pick it up for a movie. And he's excited. It's his lifelong dream now to get it turned into a movie they had a production house set they had william hurt and susan sarandon Mm. on the uh the um cast for it they'd already casted them and then they shut it down then it came back with a second production um i can't remember who was going to be in that one and they shut that one down and this poor old man um his, his name's escaping me the author i'd have to look it up uh he ended up passing away and uh, never got a chance to see his. Um, see, it still hasn't been made into a movie. Dan Dan Manoyan was the guy's name. Dan Manoyan was the actor, um, and the book was published in 2007. They're still try. His son is still trying to <laughs> turn it into a movie. His son said, "I'm not giving up." Um, there's actually an IMD, IMDb page for it. It's the infamous developmental hell. And you hear about this. Movies take 10, 15 years to get made. And sometimes yeah. they never get made. And sometimes they never get made. Yeah, Hollywood is, it's like that. I mean, that's why the CIA was able to do what they did with Argo all those years ago. And nobody right. thought it was a big deal. I mean, and, and it's just such a fickle place and it'll break your heart. So they're... They're, they're probably always going to be like that. Is they're going to pick something that's well. That, we're we're, we're going to see what's going to happen with the strike and AI. I think that could change everything. And but I I'm going to cut it off here because I know what we're going to go into. Right. <laughs> it's probably a great other topic. But uh, thank you so much, guys, for for watching this movie. And uh, we're going to talk again real soon. All right. You're welcome, thank Brian. Thanks for having us, man. If you are ever in the San Francisco Bay Area and still love collecting or renting DVDs or VHS tapes, come check out Captain Video and San Mateo at 2837 South El Camino Real. Captain Video is open six days a week and closed on Wednesday, and one of the last traditional video stores still running in the United States. New movies you can rent for $2.99 a day. Old movies you can rent for $2.99 for five days. And if renting isn't your thing, you can also purchase anything you find in the store. Be sure to tell Ira that you heard about Captain Video from the Damn Good Movie Memories podcast. Happy renting and happy collecting at Captain Video. Come hang out and chill with Brian A. Davis and the Bad Beat. Wednesdays, 11 p.m. Eastern, right here on ThatMetalStation.com.